Amen. Well, we're not, it's not going to be a last time and we're, we're in Romans. If you're a believer, you're, that's a book that is just so foundational to giving us a clear understanding of the Christian message. It's, that's a book we'll always be in. But for, I don't know, 30-some weeks, we've been walking through the book of Romans. And today's the last day that we're going to do Romans. Next week, we're starting a new series called, drum roll, okay, um, Parenthood. And so we'll, we're going to, just for a short little week, uh, series during the, the week in November, we're going to do... Uh, look at what the Bible has to say, some principles about parenthood. And that's for everyone. Even if you're like, well, I did that. I don't need to look at parenting anymore. Um, you're around people that, that you can help encourage and influence uh, these principles. Maybe you're, maybe kids are in your future and you may not know that. Or you may know that and plan that and be praying for that. But any, it, this is really can help any and everybody. So uh, come, come to that and uh, I think we'll really enjoy that time together. Um, one last thing I was going to say before we jump in. I forgot. Okay. My mom would share five words with me. I may get a little emotional, okay? I'm sharing a mom's story. Five words with me when I would leave the house. Five words that, you know, when I would jump in the car with friends or even at a younger age when, you know, going to a friend's house or you know, I remember, like, uh, the coach, like, I was always involved in baseball and jumping in, you know, the minivan uh, with some of the other players, and my mom would share these five words with me. Ben, that wasn't one of them. <laughs> these are the five. Don't lean on the door. Every time I left the house in a car, my mom would say, oh, honey, don't lean on the door. And no, that's not code for something like I deeply cherish and love you. No, which she does. Awesome. I had wonderful parents. But she literally didn't want me to lean on the car door because she was afraid I'd fall out and get ran over. (laughs) This was a real fear. I have uh, four other siblings, uh, so the five of us talk about this all the time. Like, hey, did mom always tell that to you? Don't lean on the door. Yep. (laughs) Those are the words of mom. Don't lean on the door. And she was afraid, I, I think, give you a little context, um, my, my grandfather, um, he cut the seatbelts out of the car when they were growing up. Uh, this is back um, when they just had lap belts. And my, my grandfather, they lived up near uh, the Lake Tahoe area, Carson City, and they'd go up to Lake Tahoe a lot. And sadly, people coming down from Lake Tahoe, there'd be a lot of wrecks and stuff, and he saw some horrific things with just lap, lap belts. He was a lawyer, and then he became a judge. He tried to implement legislation to get rid of seatbelts. <laughs> Proud legacy. Um, <laughs> but that's why we have, uh, you know, uh, belts that go across our chest as well, because they're much safer. So I, I think that maybe had something to do with it. You know, maybe she had an experience or something. She didn't have a seatbelt. She, you know, almost got ran over or something. Anyways... I say that because I want you to think about what are the last words, what's the last instructions that you give someone? What do you leave people with? Like, here's the message that I want to make sure, and and my mom, she was trying to make sure the welfare, the physical welfare of of me, and 
And, and that's what we get here with Paul. The last chapter, we're just going to look at these three verses that he shares, and it's his final plea, his final comments to say all this that I've shared in Romans. It begins by saying, hey, guess what? There is a God. How in the world can you deny that there's a God? How in the world can you think that this is just some kind of accident, that everything that we observe, that creation cries out that there must be a creator? And then it goes into our problem, though, that there's this awesome, perfect creator God, and we fall short of him, that we rebel against him, that we go against his law and his word, and the Bible calls that sin. It's just rebellion against God. And because he's a holy, good God, he cannot have a perfect relationship with us in our state of rebellion and sin. And he can't just ignore it because he's also a just God. So he can't ignore our sin and just say, well, I'm just going to forget about it. So he did this incredible loving act of coming down and paying for the sin of me and paying for the sin of the world. And that's what Jesus does on the cross. So he goes through this whole picture and paints what that looks like. And how we receive this forgiveness is through faith alone. We'll look at some of these key verses that reiterate that that we simply receive this, this incredible gift of not only our sins being forgiven, but then being given uh, the righteousness of Jesus credited to us simply by trusting in God and what he's done and receiving this free gift. And you see that time and time again in Romans. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. There's nothing we can do to obtain it. And he did it as a free gift. He paid the payment. And we get all these incredible blessings that for weeks we focused on, that we're adopted into God's family. We're given a a, a spiritual home here here on this earth before we go to heaven. It's our local church family. All these wonderful, we're given spiritual gifts. We're given the spirit of God dwelling in us as a believer, all these things. And then uh, here's what God has done for 11 chapters, right? There's only 16 chapters in Romans. And then Romans 12 is here's how we respond to God's incredible lavish grace, mercy, and love. Not to earn it, but as a response of the incredible love that we've experienced, we worship him with our entire lives. And that's what we were created to do. Um, And and then it, it gives us some real practical instructions about how we display this kind of love and mercy and grace that we have received, how we display it to one another and share, share uh, with it, with the, with the church family. And, and he leaves us, let's read this in Romans 16, 17. And now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you have been taught. Stay away from them. So Papa Bear, if that's Paul towards this church, I wanted to call him Mama Bear. It's kind of a Mama Bear situation, right? Like he, he is... He's kind of this spiritual father for this this group of Christians in Rome. And he's sharing all this truth with them. And his heart is worried that they're going to lean on a door and get ran over. (laughs) And, And what that looks like in this context is division and people teaching something different from the truth. Different from the gospel, which is simply the good news of what Paul is proclaiming. And what God has inspired him to teach. And what he learned firsthand from Jesus himself. uh, As he had that miraculous encounter with him on the Damascus Road. And so 
That's his big concern, those two things, division and deception. Uh, It goes on to say, such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They are serving their own personal interest. By smooth talk and glowing words, they deceive innocent people. But everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord. This makes me very happy. I want you to be wise in doing right. Stay innocent of any wrong. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of your Lord Jesus be with you. And so he gives a little description of what people like this coming in look like. So from the very beginning of the church, and if you even see this throughout the Old Testament, that we're always warned about false teachers, about people taking uh, these, these spiritual truths and twisting them in order to, what, is, what does he say, gain their own personal interest. And so there's a good, there's a good test that you can, you can kind of apply to somebody who's coming along and going, okay, uh, often... They have this incredible gift of leadership. They have this incredible charisma about them where people are coming and following and listening to what they say because they often have an incredible gift of proclaiming and, 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 and speeches. I mean, the, the example that comes to my mind is Hitler. You know, if you look at his, his progression and his history of how he really captured the, the German nation's attention, Um, a lot of it had to do with his speeches that he gave. Um, But we see this in the spiritual realm where you look at, are they doing this? Does their personal life seem to all of this influence and power they have, their personal life uh, is they're getting wealthy off of it. They're getting all of their desires and pleasures and lust fulfilled through it. Uh, and they're being able to control people and have power over people. And that is kind of the root of why they're doing this. And we see religious leaders throughout history twisting the truth of God in order for pers- to get personal gain. Um, and, and I think it's easier sometimes to look back in history and see how that, that has happened very clearly um, sometimes in people who get caught up in it. So we're warned. And Paul, is, he's like, oh, don't let people teach you something different. Don't, let, don't get away from this pure truth of who Jesus is and what he's accomplished. I'm going to give you all the fill in the blanks right now. Are you guys excited? Because sometimes you're like, I have to wait till the very end. All right. <laughs> there, uh, keep away from divisions and deceptions. And then kind of the flip side of that is embrace unity and truth. And the, the, that's Paul's final plea and concern and hope for people who are following Jesus in Rome. Um, and so what I want to do is look at a few dynamics that may be especially relevant in our culture and time that could cause division among believers. I've seen it personally cause division within local church families. And so we want to make sure as we see this exhortation, this plea from Paul uh, uh, to, to, to avoid these things, that, that we want to be uh, aware of these things. One of them is just this idea of truth that instead of being firm on what the truth is, and this, I mean, Jesus has come, when he comes and he's kind of led, his cousin leads the way uh, to, to kind of present him to the world, John the Baptist, and um, um, the description of Jesus as he comes on the scene is that he's somebody full of grace and full of truth. And uh, again and again, when Jesus is teaching, he says, I tell you the truth. And then he'll tell his teaching. 
that truth is this theme throughout Scripture, that there is this solid, absolute truth. But we live in a day and a time when people, out of not, I think the desire is to not offend. Nobody wants to stand on a firm conviction of absolute truth. So today we have this relativism that we deal with. And this idea that, okay, your truth might be true for you, but it's not for me. And especially, this is, tried, this is applied to spiritual things. Hey, your religion might be true for you, and my religion's true for me. And that is just, that would go against, really, every major religion has a truth claim, and an exclusive truth claim. So either, like, they're all wrong, or they're all going about it the wrong way. It's just this modern idea that we have to try to not be offensive. And, and the thing we need to understand that, that Jesus, he was, incre- he, was, he was all loving, he was perfect, but in his love, he did not compromise truth to the point that him standing up for truth of who he was and what he came to do put him on the cross. And so um, following his footsteps, we don't just worry about what other people's reactions will be, but that the truth needs to win out. So we have to embrace truth. And um, here's examples of how we think spiritual truth for you, and that's true for you and not for me. Um, this, this really, it doesn't make any sense in any other realm of life, but somehow we try to apply it to spiritual things. Um, and, and sometimes we think, well, it's just like your heart. God looks at your heart. And so it doesn't, you know, he's just, if you're really sincere about your religion, then that's what he judges. Well, the Bible never says that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Pretty clear, pretty exclusive, very exclusive. Um, and, and so the Bible, we never see that, that being taught. And I know there's a tendency to want to just not, not tell other people they're wrong, um, but, but that should never be sacrificed. The truth shouldn't be sacrificed in order to do that. Um, think of any other area of life. Uh, back, way back, maybe this is like when my mom was uh, rolling out of cars or something, uh, doctors used to recommend cigarettes. And, and cigarette companies would go to, to well-known doctors and try to promote, like, hey, uh, you know, we all know cigarettes, you know, smoking's healthy. And our cigarette is especially healthy. So you as a doctor, would you endorse? And you had doctors back in the day endorsing smoking, saying, hey, if you really want to find the healthy cigarette, smoke this one. It's got, I don't know, whatever, you know. Um, asbestos. We know that's pretty bad stuff nowadays. We've got to spend a lot of money if you've got it in your building in your home, in your school to get rid of it. Um, you used to have to pay a premium for that. Uh, when you went to, to go design your house or whatever, that was something that, like, there's this wonderful product out there called asbestos. And it is this wonderful insulation, and it just is so effective. And there's kind of a premium charge for you to put it in, and have it in your linoleum, and builders would brag about having asbestos <laughs> in the building. Now, their sincerity was there. They thought that that was a good thing. Uh, the doctors, I mean, you know, I, I think there's some of them who, who thought that, that that was a healthy thing to do, to actually smoke, at, you know, way back in the day. Um, 
their sincerity did not change the outcome of what those substances did when builders would handle those things or people would smoke, right? Um, Someone who has all the best intentions in the world about making an investment to to take something, you know, someone's, uh, some uh, person's hard-earned retirement and, and make sure they can do well in retirement and the investment like tanks and doesn't do well. That doesn't, that doesn't, you, they don't go to Wall Street and say, well, hey, I had, I, I know you're, you're trying to take away all the money, but I don't, you didn't know. I had all the best intentions in the world, and my heart was right in the right place. So if you could just write me that check. It doesn't, we know that, right? In every other realm of life, we know that. But when it comes to spiritual things, sometimes we try to apply different truth, and there is only truth and not truth. And, and God's word is constantly using this term and trying to uh, point this into our life. Um, there are, not to confuse you, truth that is more important than other truth. What? There is some truth that's more important than other truth. And this is something that we need to make sure that we are standing upon the essential truths. Uh, some pastors re- use the term open-handed truth and close-handed truth, or close-fisted truth. That there are absolute, crystal clear truths that we find in God's word, that for 2,000 years the church has has been uh, very adamant about, based on God's word, uh, about some essential things that make up the Christian faith. And we cannot compromise on those. And, And but Paul in reminding us what we've been through in Romans in uh, chapters 14 and 15, he said, hey, don't be divided, because remember this is his big issue as we leave, don't be divided about disputable matters. And, and specifically he was talking about like people were like, hey, it's okay to eat meat offered to idols. Like those are made up idols and that's really good ribeye and it's discounted because it was, it was offered to idols. Like eat up, I'm right with God, not because I don't eat meat, that's bad or whatever, but because of what Jesus has done. So they had a really good argument. And then there's these other people who are like, why would you want anything to do with something that was a part of some satanic ritual worshiping some false god? Stay, I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. Okay, that's a pretty good perspective. I could see how you get people in that camp too. And so Paul, and that was one of the specific issues he was hitting on, he's like, hey, you still have unity. You can have your personal convictions but you still are unified by a bigger truth of who Jesus is and how we're right with God and who God is and who we are and all these main essential things. And so here's an example in Scripture of what Jesus taught. Jesus taught a principle that uh, a prophet, and he was quoting some Old Testament principles in, in Scripture, that a prophet is not accepted in their hometown. And that's an, I've heard different pastors take different takes on that. What did Jesus mean by that? Because he went to his hometown, and they didn't really receive him as a teacher and as him doing miracles through God and all these things. Um, he, he really couldn't do much there. And he quoted this, that, that a prophet's kind of not accepted by, by, the, by his own hometown. Like, that's okay. Uh, but then he also preached what I mentioned earlier, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So one is essential for salvation and determines the eternal destiny of people. And the other is an interesting insight into Jesus's ministry of something that happened to him. 
And we don't know if that exactly applies to, you know, our context of leadership and spiritual leadership today or, you know, what we, you know, and I've heard different takes on that. But it's not something that, that determines the eternal destiny of someone. See what I'm saying? And so there is truth that is more important that we do not compromise. And then there's other things that don't determine uh, someone's, uh, you know, eternity. And those are the things that, that Paul says, hey, a truth is important, but, but there's, there's uh, things that we do not compromise on. 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen. Stick with me. It's not as hot in here. The first service, it got a little warm, and then everybody's all bundled up because it's cold today, and I was like fading. I was like leaning on this thing. Okay, 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen. But in the following instructions, I cannot praise you, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. So Paul's talking to these Corinthians, and they're having a lot of issues within their local church. And so he's dealt with a lot of these churches, and he's hoping the church in Rome, he's trying to prevent them from having some of the disputes that these other churches have had. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church, and and to some extent, I believe it. But of course, there must be divisions among you so that you who have God's approval will be recognized. I did that in my best sarcastic voice I could do. Okay, I'm not that good at that. He's being very sarcastic here because obviously Paul would not be preaching. We see all his teaching on, oh, of course you should be, have division. He, he's being sarcastic and going, well, if you didn't have division, you wouldn't be able to pridefully puff yourself up with the way that you are approved by God because of all the things you're doing and following and how you can look down at other people because they're not following your you know, particular non-essential you know, convictions. And so, so Paul is, is frustrated to the point of pointing out in a sarcastic way what division really does to people and how it's really based in this, this thing that creates pride within us. Like, I'm a Christian who does or doesn't do this or that or whatever it might be. Um, so those are the essential things when it comes to uh, eternal destiny type of questions. Um, and the other thing, what other things do and us, what we get pri- uh, filled up with pride is raising the bar. And that's what Jesus would get very frustrated with the religious leaders of his day about. The Pharisees would say, oh, hey, here, here's what God has said, and, and we're going to help out God as though God needs our help. And we're going to add all these regulations and rules and come up with all these very particular ways to follow them. And then we see that slipping into as we become religious just like them. And we, on accident, I think, often become like that kind of religious thinking. And we try to raise the bar and say, well, yeah, okay, here's how you're saved, faith in in Jesus. But then you also have to do all these other things. And then we we have camps. We look it down on other people. Romans 3.22 says we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. It's one of my, the, my favorite passages in Romans. And this is one, if you've got a friend, if you've been wrestling with what is the Christian message, I've heard different things, what is the gospel, what is the good news, this is a beautiful explanation. And, and it's not pulled out of context or just one little verse that we're highlighting. Paul is really repetitive. We've seen that throughout Romans. And so we can't this, this, like, there's no, uh, there's no unclear portion here. He just, and he says it again and again to make sure we get it. 
Here's, uh, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And that is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Man, he really hits some strong points there. Because there's teachers coming along saying, well, Jesus really didn't die for the non-Jews, the Gentiles. Or if they are Gentiles, they need to go through some things in order to make them Jewish. Or they, also, they at least need to follow all the Jewish regulations and rules. And Paul would fight that battle against those Judaizers, is what they were named, in many different instances. And he was so concerned about people distorting the good news. No matter who we are, what our background, what our education, what our ethnicity, what our gender, what our knowledge, no matter who it is, we are made right by placing our faith in Jesus. Uh, We are made right with God for everyone. For everyone, and here's more, okay, Uh, that's just one verse. For everyone is sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sin. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. Um, Just giving us more description. Here's another thing in our context specifically that can come up in division. And it has to do with kind of, hey, we know, you know, someone coming along and going, I'm a deep teacher of God's word. When I was first... uh, learn like I, I was a new believer and I was in this Christian college and I wanted to learn the Bible so much I didn't know it very well at all even though I grew up in church that I had no major and I was like well I'm just going to be a religion major I'm going to like study the Bible I'll just get a degree in that because I was so excited about just following Jesus and I happened to be in a Christian college so I could do that so I started in there and, and one of the things I ran into initially were people having all this, like, insider deep knowledge of the Bible that, that no one else knew. And I'm, like, trying to figure out the basics, right? And, but, but I remember things like, okay, if you take Steve Jobs' name and you assign a, a number, 1 through 26, for the alphabet on his name, and you flip it upside down and you find that passage in the book of Revelation... It's going to say something about an apple. And so if you have an iPhone, that's the mark of the beast. And I'm like this new Christian going, what? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, burn it. Burn it. You know? Oh, it even has an apple with a bite taken out of it. Uh Uh-huh. Satan, just in plain sight, is going, look, my very first deception and I just am saying it in plain sight. For, and I think God did that. So, we, so this small group of people who discovered the secret information could know how to avoid eternal damnation. If that is what determines our eternity, is knowing some weird secret you know, conspiracy theory that's hidden in, in code in the Bible. You know, this is the time... Uh, you, you, you can do the math of how old I am when, when uh, what's that book that came out? Uh, they made a movie. Um, what was it? Yes, Da Vinci Code. <laughs> and so I think that was kind of like, you know, the hot topic. And I thought, wow, these spiritually insightful guys who really know the Bible, they, they have all this, all this secret hidden stuff in Scripture. <laughs> okay, that's my take on it. That's my academic response. 
to that, that we have a God, and, and this is, and, and I'm trying to, you know, make sure you're awake, but I want you to, to understand this. We have a God that loves us unconditionally and has gone to great lengths to get his truth out. Now, now he uses us, and, and uh, sometimes, I, you know, we don't understand his ways and stuff, but he is not trying to hide his truth. He is calling us to proclaim it to the world. And it's not some, un, you know, something that only some kind of person who really is interested in conspiracy theories and has like a, a way of looking at puzzles that other people don't, like only they can understand and get this truth. <clears throat> that is not the God that, that, that is displayed in Scripture. And what that, the only thing that does is puffs people up by going, oh, I have this insider information. Man, I got no insider information. I've studied the Bible for years and years. I'm no expert. But man, after 20, after 25 years, you know, of, of being a pastor and studying the Bible, and um, that I have no deep secret information in here. I have Romans 3, what I just read earlier. That, that Jesus paid for your sin and my sin. Have you received that, that gift? That, that's what I have, and that is the greatest message, the most deep message uh, that, that, that God wants us to really embrace and know. So these speculative arguments, some people, and I hope many of you are going, I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor Ben. Like, I don't, I've never been a part of that. I've never said that. I hope that's the case. That's great. Um, but sometimes we get, we get stuck into that. Um, and it can cause divisions within the church. First uh, Timothy 1, 3 through 7, Paul is dealing with this with this young pastor, Timothy, and saying, when I left for Macedonia, I urged you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those who, whose teaching is contrary to the truth. Don't let them waste their time in endless discussions of myths and spiritual pedigrees. These things only lead to meaningless speculations which don't help people live a life of faith in God. The, uh, the purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with a love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. But some people have mess, missed this whole point and have turned away from these things and spent their time in meaningless discussions. They want to be known as teachers of the law of Moses, and they don't know what they are talking about, even though they sound so, or they speak so confidently. And that's what you find when people have, like, devoted their lives to some kind of insider information that they've discovered in the Bible, and they're very confident, and they've spent a lot of time, and they can, they can very confidently share that. But, but Paul is warning, like, that can cause division in the church. Um, and then you run into people who condone sin. And that can cause division in the church, and I think that's very relevant to us today. Because in our PC world, we don't want to say someone's wrong about their spiritual beliefs, and we also don't want to say someone is immoral or, or wrong about their uh, morality or what they're doing. And we want to embrace, um, and, then we're, and then we're influenced by the culture and their values, and their values are not going to be reflective of God's values in the Bible. And so, especially, I think we run into that uh, <clears throat> that temptation, and that could that can cause division in the church, of people saying, "Well, I know God clearly said this is right and this is wrong. This is His way, and that's not His way. This dishonors Him. This rebels against Him." And the, but, but, 
and 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 then you know they set up camp and and wanting to promote their agenda or their 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 new uh view on something jude three four through four love jude it's just a postcard romans is kind of like a book we have a lot of letters jude is this tiny little postcard right before uh we got these tiny little postcards right before revelation so jude three through four because there's only one chapter says dear friends i've been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share but now i find that i must write about something else urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. So grace is not a license for sin, and we see that time and time again, and that 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 idea of trying to like embrace the world's values and and bring that into the church can cause a lot of disunity so the unity and truth we should embrace as we wrap up this morning romans 12 16 uh, live in harmony with each other we just see this theme over and over and over that god cares so much about the unity and harmony of his people god himself think about god himself the nature that we know of god is complete unity and harmony. That that God is not even one. That he has revealed himself as three in one. That all the way back in Genesis, it says that, that, uh, uh, that we, there's a plurality of talking about how he created the heavens and the earth, how he created all of creation, and how there's, there's this uh, description of God as, as plural. That he... in all of eternity, he is, has this unity because he is this three-in-one that kind of blows our mind. Um, and, and he wants unity within uh, the body of Christ. Um, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of your pastor, Ben. And don't think you know it all. Uh, Ephesians 4.3. Make Ben's in the Bible? Um, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit binding yourselves together with peace. Every effort. When we get these descriptions of how unified God wants us to be, it's, you know, make this is so important. You can't let go of this. Make every effort. Um, Colossians uh, 3, 13 through 14. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. How do we make sure that we have unity? Um, having this kind of... Uh, Prideless, humble attitude will we'll bring that into the mix. When we let small things go, um, when we understand, and it goes on to say, remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. What is the point of loving each other? That we will be in unity and have harmony. And that yells that's a weird word to use. It, it shouts loudly <laughs> to the world. The Bible says that, that we're different and that Jesus is really, he must be who he said he is because he's actually made a difference in a group of people's lives where they have this harmony that you don't see uh, usually. Um, and this kind of love 
is just, hey, if you've respected or if you've received God's love, if you're trying to proclaim God's love, just think about that. Like you're telling a world, God loves you like crazy. I'm not very loving. The people I hang out with aren't very loving. <laughs> but I got this message that said God loves you. Like that's not a very powerful message to anyone, right? But when they see God's love in our life and they see it actually, how do you actually love? You have to love somebody to love. So they see it displayed with us within our church family. Then they go, oh, that's something that what you're saying is matching what I see, what I'm observing. And so it's so important that, that we have that kind of love. And, and uh, if we proclaim that love uh, and we don't reflect that love, it kind of falls flat. Um, and, and throughout Scripture, we get this, this, this picture of truth is, not, is something that is vitally important. John 17, 17, uh, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Um, um, John 8, 32, truth brings freedom. Uh, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is often given the title, the Spirit of Truth. First uh, John 1, 8, and this is what we'll end with. I'm going to ask the band to come up. 1 John 1, 8 says, If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. And so if you, if you walk away from Romans with nothing else, I hope you understand the good news and the message that it's really good news because it starts out with the truth being really bad news. The truth is, me on my own, when I try to approach God at the end of this life, and right now, as I try to approach him and say, hey, am I, am I worthy to be in harmony with you, in relationship with you, to spend eternity with you? The answer is absolutely not, and there's no way I can be. That, that uh, Romans 6.23 is the last verse I want to share with you because it's the, it's the verse in Romans I use the most because I think it sums up the gospel uh, very well. And it says... The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so if you don't walk away with anything else from Romans, I hope you understand just the clear message of the good news and the gospel that's proclaimed in there in such a strong way.